Hello, sugars. Well, here we are in March. It's my birthday month. I'm excited. Um, this podcast that I'm about that I'm playing today, it's a really great podcast, and it's just one of those shows from when I went to podcast movement. Where I, after I left that, I met so many great people. I I think I literally recorded like 45 podcasts from that from that uh, meeting from that conference of people in like a month and a half. So this is the last of the last of those podcasts, I believe, of people that I met. So I actually recorded this show with Brian, uh, aka BJ, in August. So some things might be be a little outdated, but in a way, though, not too, um, just because we're talking a lot. So Brian is the host, or at the time, is the host of a podcast called The Asian American Voice. And he's now doing something different. I'll tell you about that in the outro of the show. But, um, you know, this is all about kind of finding diversity in our country. And, you know, there's a big push in diversity, especially I'm living here in Los Angeles and diversity in television and things like that. And I'm seeing that a lot for African-American people, for Latino people, which is great. This should be happening. I'm not seeing that a lot. If you ask, talk to my friends that are other diversities, um, races besides us too, especially some of my Asian-American friends that are actors, they're not seeing it so much. They're still seeing a lot a lot of lack of roles. So anyway, hopefully just kind of broadens your awareness a little bit. Uh, he's a super nice guy. He's really handsome, um, of course. And um, super nice guy, really just wonderful. You know what it is? I love talking to really sensitive, empathetic, straight guys because I feel like they're breaking the mold of what it is to be like a macho man and that that's really not, that doesn't exhibit strength. You know me, I'll get on a soapbox. But anyway, really great show. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Here we go. We're, ooh, it's a podcast. Hello, everybody. It is hot in Los Angeles today. It is Matt Marr. Welcome to the Dear Maddie Show. Welcome to the show. We've, I'm getting some hot diversity today. <laughs> I'm just saying, Brian, because you're very handsome. Welcome to the show. Brian B.J. Kang, host of the Asian American Voice, and you're a career coach. You're, you're just an inspirational person, and you're just... You're very fit. What do you work out? What do you do, Brian? You're, <laughs> wow. Like, seriously. Well, Thanks, we're jumping dude. right in. We're jumping right in, Brian. I'm blushing through the microphone right now, so I, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. This is very flattering. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I work out. You know, I work out a little bit. I, I go to this place called Urban Fitness, so I do some circuit training. Not, not as crazy as CrossFit, where we're doing some crazy, crazy stuff, but, you know, I, I try to stay fit. It's part of my, you know, it's part of my daily routine to keep me nice and happy and get away from my depression and, you know, how that works, so. I like to stay active. You, oh, I, I'm going to love this already, Brian. Thank you for being. We met at uh, at podcast mood. That's how. That's how I've I've told everybody on the Dear Maddie show. The rest of 2015 is just going to be people I met from podcast movement because it was so awesome. Yeah, Matt, and I actually met you. You were the host of PMX. For all of you listening out there, uh, PMX is like a TED Talks for podcasters, and Matt hosted the whole day, basically. So these speakers would come up. He would come in between and interject his thoughts. He was funny. Um, you did a great job, by the way. You were a little bit self-deprecating with your humor, which was awesome. Um, but at Thanks. the same t- and then you would mix it up with some some really thoughtful, like inspirational things, like "Hey, go for your dreams." You know, don't be fearful. So it was a great mixture of just like a heartfelt humor um, and I was really impressed so I had to go up to you after and then um, you even shared that you were a fan of the mental illness happy hour so I've been uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't listen to it lately 
with Paul Gilmartin. But yeah, yeah, that's a great um, show. That's one of the podcasts that actually inspired me to start my podcast. Just listen to the listeners. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm very much into psychology. You were a therapist as well as an actor, and uh, therapy is a big uh, topic that I I'm a, I'm a big advocate for. Um, you know, I'm not just uh, advocate, but also I've gotten a lot of help through my own therapy. So it was just a good match. I had to talk to you and say hi, and now here we are talking on the podcast. That's. Ooh. Yep, yep. We're gonna, I already know we're going to go long this show. Sorry, y'all. Um, so, okay. So, I love that. I love that. Because I, I, Paul Gilmartin, that, that show is so great. And so now, tell me a little bit, tell us, because I don't know a lot of, I don't know a lot about your life. I mean, what I see on social media and stuff. So, tell everybody where you live and how you kind of um, jumped into the, the Asian American voice. Yeah, sure thing. So I don't know how far back I can I should go, but let me. I, I live in Alameda, California. It's a, a city uh, right in the San Francisco Bay Area, right next to Oakland, California. Um, you know, I was born and raised here in Alameda. Um, my parents were uh, immigrants from South Korea, so they came here to provide a better life for. Um, for future me, I wasn't born obviously when they got here first, and then uh, in 1981 I was born, Brian Kang, and then my mom uh, later on said, "You know what? I shouldn't have named him Brian because it's way too common. Let me give him a nickname." So she nicknamed me BJ, which is, stands for Brian June. June is my middle name as well as my Korean name, and ah. uh, she did not know that BJ was <laughs> what it would become, or <laughs> and I actually didn't know what it was until about high i mean i knew what it was but i didn't know people started like saying oh bj's your name huh and they give me a little smirk and i'd be like uh-huh very funny and so um i always go back and forth like hey should my professional name really be bj kang or should i go brian so that's why sometimes i have that identity crisis of brian bj king but you know really jumping into how i got into the asian american voice i mean i could talk like an hour about that but it really was i was really good responsible um responsible Asian son. You know, mm -hmm. I, I went to high school, got pretty good grades, went to college, got pretty crappy grades, but just got my degree, uh -huh. um, went through the whole corporate life and was making good money and all that. But I, I got really burnt out because I know that I wanted to be something more. There's more for my life. And um, I had felt called to do more. And, you know, even going back, like in high school, um, I was always such a people pleaser. You know, I think I was very insecure. Uh -huh. When you're insecure in high school, you can go two ways, right? The first way is you can just kind of be shy and be very quiet and kind of uh, be a wallflower. But instead, I, because of my insecurities, I went the opposite. I was very social. I was very, just to, to, to kind of cover up my, my insecurities, I was very popular. I was well-liked in high school. Um, and then that all kind of came crashing down, um, you know, in college when I went through a deep depression, just very depressed, very... Um, just my confidence was at zero and um but i i you know all that i was pretty high functioning in, in terms of like i went to you know i got good jobs made good money but I, again i was just so burnt out with work so i quit in february of this year so pretty recent to become Ooh, a career congratulations thank you congratulations. thank you yeah, to become a coach and started the Asian American Voice podcast to interview other um, people that are were dream chasers that were following their calling, and so that's kind of the the, the long winded answer. I'm sure that we can unpack a lot more in between that. I don't think the sugar. I don't think that was that long at all. <laughs> um, but so now, well, and I relate to that because I think because I was gay in high school, um, I but wasn't out. 
I did, I did that as well. Of I'm going to be a really good student. I'm going to be really social. I'm going to be really funny. So that way, people have to like me in spite of being gay. Like that was kind of like my thing to make. And I 100% agree with you. I feel like when you're, whether it's gay, socially awkward, whatever it is, I feel like in high school, we all have our thing, whether we choose to kind of be the wallflower or be, you know, the, uh, you know, try to be homecoming king or queen, you know, it definitely is a struggle. Yeah, and I actually was a homecoming queen, uh, king, queen, homecoming oh. king, and uh, Ooh, I'll be school. your queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was a homecoming king in high school as well, uh, senior class, or I mean, a uh, prom king as well. And it's really embarrassing to talk about those things because I was like, it's just, it's just like those those social things that really don't matter anymore. But at the time, it just feels like it's it's so much. And um, you know, high school is a, a jungle. You know, it's hard for someone that's that's gay to come out. It's hard for people to really be authentic. Um, it's just you know, hard. That, yeah, yes, it is not to interrupt you, but you no. just hit it on the head. It is hard for people to be authentic. Period. Whether you're, whether you're culturally diverse, sexually diverse, uh, your body is diverse. Yeah, it's just it is hard to be authentic. Exactly. It is. It is. It's really just about survival at that point. I mean, just one story in high school is that I, I always had this. So my mom would take me to musical theater a lot. She took me to Phantom of the Opera. She took me to Les Miserables. She took me to Miss Saigon um, in San Francisco, all these Broadway plays and musicals. I love and, your mother. Yeah, she was great. I mean, she was just like, hey, I want to immerse you. In, I want you to be well-rounded. I want you to immerse you in culture and in the theater and the arts. And I fell in love with musical theater, like watching it and just the, the whole emotions that it would bring up. And I really wanted to be um, in musical theater when I was in high school, but I was just too fearful of what my friends would think about me. I was I was afraid that they would judge me, they'd make fun of me, they would think I was a masculine and all that. Oh, yeah. um, and so it's one of the big losses in my life when I really look back is that I, I just look back like, hey, I should have just done it anyways and just taken the brunt of, if they say they do make fun of me, at least I'm being who I wanted to be. Well, Sugar, there. A, there's always community theater, and <laughs> if you ever go to Oklahoma, I know Ardmore Little Theater would love for you to show up so they could do Flower Drum Song with the actual, actually, <laughs> <laughs> because there's no diversity in Ardmore, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. I will never forget, we, we did, um, they did South Pacific, and there was so many orange wrists and orange ankles, because everybody put on so much fake tanner. <laughs> Wow, yeah. not but what are you gonna do i mean it's the middle of oklahoma yeah <laughs> so what I, can you do you gotta work with what you have i guess <laughs> if you shut up they'd be like we hit the gold mine so <laughs> that's hilarious what so what now <clears throat> i'm interested in this because i i do have a personal experience it's just from being a therapist and having clients it's, um i mean i've only worked with having several asian american clients um but in my stance the the three or four clients I had were either gay men or lesbians. So that's obviously a different perspective than you, but all three or four of them talked about, um, kind of the difficulty and I didn't even bring it up. They brought up, they all four talked about the difficulty of being able to express emotions and how almost like painful that was for them to talk about. So you earlier said, you know, you talked about going to therapy and you're a big fan of it and everything. Was that, was your story similar or different? Was that, was that easier for you to talk about your emotions and go to a therapist or, or, and it was, 
you know, and also too, is that as I'm a white man from Oklahoma, so I don't know, is is that true with just those four clients? It seemed like there seemed to be this commonality of of mm-hmm. being not able to talk about emotions and express them uh, with the willingness that maybe some other uh, cultures, such as white people or maybe Latino people, could talk about. What, what what was your experience like with all that? Yeah, no, absolutely. It is. It is I think there's another cultural layer when it comes to talking about emotion. When it talks about like airing your dirty laundry, I mean, going to therapy, like those things are just cultural taboos in in the Asian American um, demographic for sure. I'm sure it's not just the Asian American demographic. There's family rules as well as cultural rules, right? There's Mm -hmm. some family rules where people just never talk about emotions that gets passed on from generation to generation. And then there's, but there's definitely a cultural cultural, um, stigma about therapy and getting help in the Asian American community because you have to, you have to understand it though, right? Back in South Korea and other Asian countries is like when you, if you go to therapy or see a psychologist, then people automatically classify you as, as wacky or crazy or cuckoo or, uh, mm. so there's that that gets passed on. So, um, you know, in, in just in, in Asian households and Asian families, like you don't really talk about your emotions. It's, it's like, you know, you just stoic, you don't really talk about like deeply what's going on. It's just not, it's, it's just not done. And I see it all the time in, in the Asian culture is that there's so much repression you know all around me there's people that have no idea how to talk about their emotions or even process their emotions or even be aware of their emotions and so you see a lot of people that uh that you know alcoholism you see a lot of addictions that come up you see a lot of depression because you know you don't talk you don't cry you know as as men you just don't do not cry in asian culture oh, really? yeah even women you know there's like just don't show emotion that's really frowned upon and i get it because it's it's you know from the 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 cultures of a lot of our immigrant parents for for me being a second generation asian american here um that you know that that gets passed on to you but um i see just so much pain and so many people in jobs they hate that's why i do the work that i do in terms of helping people find a more suitable career is because people um don't talk about these things they don't seek help and it causes so much pain in 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 um in just that person as an individual as an individual Mm, it's and so what was so for your families you were affected by that but what how were you able to because i know you were struggling with depression but still you made mm-hmm. the choice to reach out for support and a lot of people either get overwhelmed or they feel unable to even reach out for that support what enabled you to do that matt can you hear me yeah i'm there i can okay. hear you yeah, what enabled me was probably, I mean, I've always had it in my, just my temperament and just the type of person I am is that um, I think self-awareness is one of the things that I, uh, it's one of my strengths, right? I have that in yeah. me already to have self-awareness. However, that became buried for many years, like seven or eight or even 10 years. Um, so I just hit that point in 2008 when, you know, you, you basically hit such a low, like bottom point in your life where you just... Uh, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying I was suicidal, but mm-hmm. I would say that I didn't really have the will to live a full life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, maybe I had a little bit of suicidal ideation. Like it would cross my mind, but no, no nothing to the point where I would want to do anything about it, right? No plans or anything like that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it would just pop up from here and there, right? Um, but in 2008, I hit such a bottom. I had just got into a relationship with my now fiance, um, and I was going to lose that if I continued what I was doing, which was just living a destructive life, not taking care of myself physically. Um, so, you know, in the beginning, you were like, hey, do you work out? That was the first thing you, 
you um, you kind of let out with, but it, I wasn't always like fit, you know. I was I was about two thirty five, two forty, and um, I don't think weight should matter. Like the number should matter, but that was not my natural weight, right?、Uh-huh. Because I was I was emotionally eating probably I was not exercising I was super depressed so I was just I just hit such a low point at that moment in my life that、mm-hmm. I, if I didn't do anything like if I flash for another five years I、mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know where I would be I would either be who knows right I'd be maybe in jail or maybe I'd be maybe I'd be dead who knows right、mm-hmm. um, or I would just be living just even worse an even worse life and I was already at a pretty low point. Well. Wow, that's. I'm. I'm glad that you had that in you to to do that. Um, to just know to have the wherewithal to have that awareness. So, when so, there's so much I want to talk about, I've got like ADD <laughs> right now. It's all spinning. So I guess, but one thing I want to ask, and, and congratulations on your engagement, by the way. When are you getting、Thanks. married? I don't know, man. We've been we've been engaged for like two years now, so Sugar, <laughs> who knows when? <laughs> we'll, we'll go with the flow. I mean, it's it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of you know when all that and the wedding industry kind of pisses me off, but that's a whole nother. It's a whole, nother topic. whole other shit show. Do your parents <sighs> like her? Oh yeah, yeah. They they love her, and、um, you know her family's so great to me. She has four brothers and. Um, just a just a wonderful. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm basically marrying up, man. It's like she's、no. just an amazing、um, human being. She just is the most patient person I know. And hope you're listening, honey, so I can get some props later. So, <laughs> 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 but no,、awesome. truly, truly, she's a great woman. But yeah, so. Oh, I love that's love. very sweet. Well, so、um, I know we have questions, but I still you're interesting, Brian. So,、um, <laughs> okay, so. I am so like so. You also do like so. You're you're hosting the Asian American Voice,、mm-hmm. and which is a show that I mean, you cover. You really have. You talk about all I think experiences of the Asian American experience, right? I don't feel、mm-hmm. like you're limited to just one thing, correct? Yeah, it's focusing mostly on entrepreneurs and people that are dream chasers that are doing things different than the the standard nine to five. Um, right, so the audience are for p- anyone that's feeling dissatisfied. Don't, you don't have to be Asian to listen. It's anyone that's dissatisfied in their career. But we talk about other issues in the Asian American uh, 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 culture, such as the lack of mental mental health awareness,、uh, a lot of people pleasing, pe-、uh, things that. Every culture deals with, but I feel like the, again, there's another cultural layer in the Asian community. A lot of shame.、Uh, talk about、um, just reaching out for help.、Uh, mm-hmm. Perfectionism is a big one, and、um, you know, really, the the I guess the motto of the show is really to be able to res-、uh, to honor our parents or you no know, respect our parents, but also honor our own path in this world. So you know, being able to follow our th- dreams. That's a thing culturally. Think that I honestly I. That there is much more of a respect for family and what and respecting parents and I just had a friend who I know your family's from South Korea so in Japan it's very different、uh, but she did say she is Japanese and she's she's a Japanese American and she kind of thought she would go back to Japan and really connect and feel because her grandmother is from there、mm-hmm. and she it was a complete opposite she loved the trip but she thought she said she's like I don't really need to go back I didn't connect. I'm so American, like in in Japan was so. She was talking about kind of just the compartmentalization and things like that. But one thing she even talked about there was this. She said how older people were so much more revered than the senior community is here. Do you find that is a cult in your family? Do you、um, kind of respect your elders? Do you think more than、uh, the majority of Americans do theirs? 
I would say that there in the Asian culture, there's definitely um, more of a instant. Like you have to respect your elders right off the bat. So it could be for better or for worse. Because I get it, the better is like, hey, they have this wisdom and this life experience, and you know, you have to speak. So I don't speak Korean very well, but when you do speak Korean, there's a when you speak to someone that's older than you. You actually have to speak um, in in a more formal tone. Like you have to add certain words to it, which mm. makes the Korean language even harder than it already is for me. Um, mm. But so there's that uh, instant respect that you give an elder, no matter what, which can be great, right? It's great to revere your elders. However, the the problem is when there's someone that's older than you that doesn't deserve that respect. That's an asshole. Yeah, that's a, that's a straight up, right? That is a that's a, that's a dick or a jerk, right? Uh-huh. Then then why you have to automatically respect this person because why mm-hmm. and, and then there's many instances where um older older korean men would come over and they would just treat me like you get that feel you know exactly when you're when you're a kid you're so kids are so smart man you know yeah. they're not they're not they, they know exactly what's going on so when there's there was a, a couple instances where there'd be, be these guys so my house was like the party house so my dad would invite uh guys over you know families over you know people over just to hang out and, and drink and you know be jovial and all that and there would be a couple instances where, the, where there, there would be these men that were just that would just treat me like scum because i was younger than them they would put that little pompous act on and i would have to bow to them and be respectful to them and just because they're older to me so mm. that that pissed me off and even talking about right now i feel a little bit of anger coming up just like hey why, why do i have to give these people respect i get the concept of it but so that there was a little bit of a rebellion in me and still is mm-hmm. in me that there's there's things that are great about the asian culture when it comes to that um i think there is that you know that reverence for um um for for the elder but it can come at a cost too so yeah for you sure know, that's what comes up yeah hmm. oh, i love it i love it i love it i love it so okay so now you also do so tell, tell me a little bit about like so you also have an active coaching clientele mm-hmm. so yeah. so tell me what you focus on what you do yeah, yeah. So I, I focus on uh, millennials mostly that are that are feeling dissatisfied in their career, that are burnt out, where they go to work uh, Monday morning, just get through Monday, get to hump day on Wednesday, feeling all right. Hey, got through hump day. Um, you know, Thursday's pretty cool because you know you're one day away from the weekend. You get to Friday. Friday's all good. Friday night. You're pretty tired, so you can't really do anything too crazy. So maybe you just mm-hmm. grab some dinner, and then Saturday's your day. You know, that's the day where you can live your life. And then Sunday rolls around, and right around 2, 3 p.m. on Sunday, you start to feel that little nagging, like that Sunday night anxiety or depression. And then you wake up Monday morning, and you go through it all again. So if that's you, that's really the, the, my, the, ma- the main uh, type of people I work with to really figure out, hey, let's not look at the external, like what job is going to fix you, but let's, let's look in t- inside of you in terms of like, what are your strengths? What are your values? What's your calling? What's your passion? So that you can, instead of looking externally for that job that has great perks and benefits, what do you want? What do you truly want without, you know, getting through the people pleasing of, you know, not wanting to disappoint your, your family or your spouse or your friends or society and really go after like, what is your calling and your passion? So that's the, the main uh, group of people I work with to be able to kind of figure that out, uh, to unpack things. And then again, as we all know, as people out there listening, coaching, it, it becomes more than just a career, right? You know, like your whole life, what are your goals? You know, therapy is, is, Definitely crucial. Again, I'm a big advocate for therapy to like uh, look at the past, look at the trauma, you know, future goal planning as well, and all that. Um, coaching's a little different. It's not going to look into the trauma and really go deep into that, but we do unpack different things as well. Sugar, you 
You're a leader. You are doing it. You, yes, sir. <laughs> I am totally putting you. Actually, so this episode's going to air later, but it, we're we're taping it on August 18th, everybody. And um, but this week, um, the podcast that I have up is with uh, Brian Drury from Overcoming Graduation. I totally am going to put you in touch because I think just um, I think you both. I met him at Podcast Movement as well. I don't know nice. if you met him. Red no, no. I, I uh, that's what his whole podcast. First of all, if you want to listen to my show this week, or if you want to listen to his show, um, it's great. And he really is so much about he um, he works with millennials as well, and especially working with, with kids that just get out of college and have that like, oh fuck, I <laughs> I was the good kid that went through school and did everything right. Now I don't have any fucking idea of what to do with my life. Yeah, uh, except because I've just been checking boxes. I feel like. I'm excited. This is a podcast match made in heaven. I'm setting this shit up. <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate that. I'm always looking to meet other people that, you know, that think similarly. And it's been great. I mean, so far chatting with you. I was really excited for this, man. Um, I really was. Because well, and I appreciate you, too, because I bless your heart. You're dealing with a fucking actor because we were supposed to do this like what, like three weeks ago. And then I think I booked a gig for that. And then I emailed you today. I called in for an audition, but it got canceled. And I was like, we can't. Oh, I can. So I appreciate you, bless you. I appreciate you for being so um, patient with my stupid schedule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. No worries. But, um, well, all right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit. Oh, wait. Well, so tell everybody if they're interested. We'll talk about this again. But where can people find you, especially if they're interested? Obviously, listening, if they, you know, just Google the Asian American voice on wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to your mm-hmm. show. But also, what about for life, co- or life coaching, career coaching? They want to find you. Just email me directly. You know, there's a link to my the AsianAmericanVoice.com slash coaching if you want to take a look at that. And, you know, we can jump on a 30-minute call just to see if it's a good fit and see if it's something that I can help you with. And just listen and see what's what's up with it. Or just email me. Just email me directly at Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Kang, K-A-N-G, 510 at gmail.com. And um, just send me an email. Let me know how it's going, what you thought about this episode. Um, just any, th- any, any thoughts that you had, anything that resonated. Um, if it's not a coaching uh, you know, potential relationship, you know, I'm always looking to just meet people and connect with, uh, with great people. And um, so feel free to just email me directly. Perfect. And that'll put, I will put that in the show notes. So, okay, right on. Um, that it's, well, I, I especially love... As a white man, I love talking about cultural diversity. So I feel like I could talk to you for like two hours about your show, but I can't because I have questions. So um, maybe we'll do a round two. All right. So um, our first question is from Jen, age 32. And Jen asks, Dear Maddie, my husband and I are at a crossroads. We're happy, still in love after three kids, but we really are butting up on the subject of more kids. We have three girls, and my husband really wants to try for a boy. And Maddie, I have no desire to put my body through that again. And honestly, I don't want more kids. I told him that I would be open to adopting, and he was not for it. But I probably shouldn't have said that because I don't want to adopt. I'm really okay with the three we have. And he's a good dad, very active in our girl's life. I definitely feel that we are rocking the whole co-parenting thing, but enough is enough, right? How do we compromise on this? Thanks, Jen, age 32. This is probably one of the toughest questions I think I've ever received. Really? Yeah, well, so do I answer it? Do you answer it? Do we talk about it? What do we do? Sure, I I mean, (laughs) go ahead. Do you have thoughts on it? 
If, if you know, I can go first, but go ahead. Should you have any kids? I don't. I don't. Ha- I mean, I have a dog. I mean, she's. we treat her like her kid, like kids just because we don't have kids yet. If we so, Jen, kids. we're not going to be able to fucking help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jen, you're on your own. <laughs> we're going to give you the advice of two men in relationships that love their dogs. So, um, but no, I think... I think we can have some ideas on this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what, what what were your first kind of thoughts when you read this question? Well, I mean, my first thought is, okay, so let's say, I don't know if a compromise is going to happen, Jen. I don't know. That's, that's, what, that's, I, that's out, what I thought. Yes. First things first, like, okay, let's say you do compromise, meaning you basically give in to, to what your husband wants, which is, which is a fourth child, right? And he wants, it's, it's, he wants, a, he wants a boy. But come on now, it's it's a 50-50% yeah. chance that you're going to have a, a boy or a girl. But re- in reality, it's really a 99% chance you're going to have a girl because that's just how life works out, that you're going to have four girls. <laughs> exactly. And like, even if you're thinking of like the Dodgers or the Redskins or whoever fuck while he's fucking you, I don't think that's <laughs> going to create a boy. That's a, but you're right. There's no comp. It's like pregnant. There's no kind of pregnant. You either are or you aren't. There's not a compromise in this, Jen. It's either you either either have a kid or you do. Don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you can you can do like certain like methods. Maybe you could look into some alternative medicine to make sure you have a boy, but that's not going to happen. And you know what? I, I would I would say as a, as a man, like that's your body. He doesn't have to. Uh, he doesn't have to go through nine months of labor and go through all that. You know, that vaginal stuff that happens later on that who knows what happens. Right. Um, But really, it's like it's not up. It's you can compromise. It's a marriage. But when it comes to having babies, that has to be the decision of the woman, in my opinion, because that's her body. I mean, I think these are things you need to talk about before you get married. Like, do do you want kids? Like, that's a different conversation. But having that fourth kid, man, like I said, it's probably a 99 percent chance is going to be a even if you have a kid. Yeah, it's just this. That's just Murphy's law. That's how life works out. Yeah. That's I. I feel like all of my female listeners just went fuck yeah when you said that. <laughs> I feel like they were like what? Um, but yeah, I definitely. You know, I honestly think it actually sounds like Jen. It sounds like her and her husband things are going well between them. You know, a lot of times people are having marital trouble and they think a baby will help that. This does not. Pardon me. This does not seem like that situation. So that's awesome. However, I will say sometimes things that don't feel like a huge problem can be a seed for something that is. So I agree with you that I think it it is, I think more up to Jen because she's a female, it's her body. And Jen, I actually would recommend if it's getting this serious that you're even having to write me, I would totally recommend couples counseling because I don't want something, even if you make the decision that you're not going to have a child, there could be resentment that builds up mm. years later. And then all of a sudden, your your husband's upset at you. Um, uh, he feels like you denied him something. He, feel like, mm. he feels like because it's your body that it really, that he had no say in the matter. And I feel like, because this is, it is Jen's decision, but they're also, this is a marriage. And so you, I get it that people, we just, whenever we're either in an argument or we, we want to feel like people are understanding us and that our point is and that we have validity and that we are, we are contributing to something, whether it's the relationship or the conversation. And I think that uh, he might feel left out and like, what can, you know, what is his contribution? And, you know, maybe as far as like answers, you know, I, I could tell you, Jen, that maybe your husband, whether if you go to church or if you look for like a mentoring group or something, maybe he could mentor like, uh, 
some like boy, some youth or something like that and and like get some like sun type experience, but that's not going to be the same. And I just think it's but when I said I think this is the hardest question is I think this is probably one of the most complex questions because there's not and a lot of questions people ask me, they're usually it can be a little bit more black and white, but this question is just a bunch of big this is a big shit pile of gray. You know? You sound like a real therapist answering that question, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. That <laughs> student loans are paying off, are they? So, so yeah, that's that's my advice. Honestly, it's uh, go to couples therapy and sugar. Yeah. If you need help with that, you can email me at the website and tell me where you live, and I can help you find people like that. So that's, that's great advice, though. I think you're absolutely right. Like there could be something underneath it, and um, you know, it, it's always nice to have a new, fresh pair of ears and eyes in the situation. Uh, couples counseling is probably a, a great. Um, a great starting point. Um, you know, as we all know, it sounds kind of cliche, but communication is key, right? You have to. It, it's the key. Yeah, and then it might not just be the words that someone's saying; is it might be so much more underneath it. And yeah, you make some great points. So that's, that's yeah, that's good. Yeah. So well, Jen, bless your heart. Good luck to you. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, do let me know. I I always tell people email me and let me know. And only like two people have done it. And that's awesome when they do. But really, email me and let me know. I think about y'all. I'm driving, I'll be driving down the road and I'll see a sign. And I'll go, oh, I wonder if Jen had that baby or if she did. I think about it. So it's, it's my, lot, my plot in life. Um, yeah, thank you, Jen. Appreciate the question, too. All right. Eric, age 27, has got a question for us. Um, Eric says, Dear Maddie, this is a more personal question about you. Hope it's okay, but you say ask me anything. Sugar, Eric, I do. I say ask me anything. So Eric asks, I recently was talking to my boyfriend about our own past relationships, and it was a great conversation. It was something we hadn't talked about a lot because it felt awkward and weird. However, we realized that a lot of lessons we learned are helping our relationship now. So I have two questions. One, what have you learned from earlier relationships? And two, do you think it's a good idea for couples to talk about exes? I asked because I have some friends who were horrified at the thought. <laughs> Thanks, Eric, age 27. So let's reverse this. I actually want to answer the question first of, mm -hmm. do you think it's a good idea for couples to talk about their exes? Brian, BJ Kang, what yeah. do you think? Do, would, would you talk mm. about your exes with your fiance? Yeah, she asks, you know, I'm not going to hold anything back, but this is one of those things where um, how much information do you want to know? Do you really want to know? <laughs> and are you, <laughs> are you secure in yourself enough to be able to handle that, right? Because yeah. uh, 15 years ago, Brian B.J. Kang would have been very jealous and insecure if I was talking about uh, an ex's, if I was talking about my a girlfriend at the time's exes and, you know, their history and relationships and because I was an insecure guy, right? Yeah. Nowadays, I, I, nothing, I won't flinch in anything, actually. My, my, my fiance can tell me whatever she wants and I won't even bat an eyelash because I'm secure in myself and I, I, I know that, you know, what happened in the past is, like you said um, in the question is, you know, you do learn a lot and just being able to process these things with, with On, who's my fiance, has been, has been a great blessing to, like, the lessons learned and all that, like you said. And how old are you, Brian? I'm 35. Okay, so I do think it, I think this is one of those things that gets easier with, well, no, I'm going to disagree with that. For me, it got easier with age, but I know a couple of people that are even in their 40s that they do not talk about other, <laughs> they, they don't talk about past relationships at all. So, I mean, for Eric, I think, I love that Eric at 27 had this conversation with his boyfriend. I think that, 
I, I think it's okay. I think there needs to be some dialogue. I just, I'm not, but I hate secrets. Even when you don't talk about a previous relationship, it almost like it gives it power that you're not talking about it. And so you have this boyfriend or girlfriend and you, you don't talk about those, I mean, those relationships. My own boyfriend, you know, he, uh, he dated a lot of women, so I and I never dated. I dated like girls in high school, but like I never. I'm a I'm a gold star gay. I'm actually a platinum gay. I've never like been sexually with a woman. So honestly, sometimes I just didn't asking him like, so what's the difference of like this and that? And it's not. I'm just curious about it. But bless his heart, he's he's with me. Who asks like I'm always emotionally vomiting. <laughs> But uh, so for me, Eric, I think it is a good idea to maybe talk some, you know, but I think maybe combining Brian and I's answers where I say, yeah, I say go for it. But adding Brian's caveat of before you have that conversation, asking with your partner, um, how much do you want to know? Like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about sex lives? Are we talking about Mm -hmm. just emotional or like self kind of self-confidence or self-awareness I learned from a past relationship because that that can sometimes get a little less defensive than somebody talking about something that was more intimate, right? Yeah, something that my uh, that I learned in therapy is the the whole concept of share check, right? So you just you share a little bit and you check with that person to see what their response is. Don't go in, don't go all in and jump into like the craziest things and like the most details. I would start with maybe skimming the surface a little bit and see what the response is of of your you know your partner there, and then maybe sharing a little bit more if you get a favorable response. That might sound like it's like you're not sharing everything, but um, I don't know. That just came to mind. When, no, uh, I actually haven't heard share check in a while, and I forgot about that. that. Is a great. It's like waiting the emotion or testing the emotional waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to do share check in my life because <laughs> my poor boyfriend. I'm sometimes like, and then he goes, well, "Yeah, I'm. Yeah, can, can you be? I'm gonna hire you, Brian." <laughs> so is is your boyfriend more uh, less like emotionally um, open? Would you say? Than you are, so it sounds. It sounds like you're more of the person that just is able to just let everything out and let it go. You know, I think I've realized with him, it's not that he's less open. He's not. Um, he's not as used to talking about it as much as I am. So he comes from a military family. He's also, mm-hmm. you know, he's still on his own discovery of being out, which he's not fully. So he's mm-hmm. also African American, which is a whole nother thing about, especially an African American man about not talking about emotions or only not talking about rather certain emotions. Um, And also, so for him, he has thoughts and he has opinions, but it's just letting him know like, Hey, you can tell me that. So simple things of he'll be stressed out about work or something. And in the morning he's waking up and I'm thinking, is he pissed at me or what's going on? He's not saying a word. And I just have to be like, Hey, what's going on to him saying nothing. And then saying, just teaching him to say, it's okay to say, hey, I'm really anxious right now because I'm thinking about a lot of things from work and it's making me stressed out. Mm-hmm. And so he's started to say that kind of stuff. So then I can be, he's learned when he says that, I'll be supportive. Mm. you know, and Because I want to be supportive. And maybe it's my oversharing, giving nature, but don't rob me of my, one of, of, I told him, I said, don't rob me of my favorite thing to do in life, which is to cheerlead and support the person I love the most in this world don't rob me of that because that's all that's all i want to do is be that cheerleader for him as i know he is for me and so when you don't talk about those emotions and maybe that's for people are listening for the show if you think well i don't want to burden my significant other 
Well, I think if you have a healthy relationship with that significant other, they want to be burdened because it's not a burden. They want to be a support. So don't rob them. Don't make up their mind for them of how they can support you. That's not fair. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, too, too many times we just don't, we just don't want to burden anybody. And that was another cultural thing that I, I grew up with is, um, you know, something that I learned is like, don't burden other people. And I took that way too far. Like I took mm -hmm. all the people's problems on my shoulders and then never share with anybody what my emotional burdens was. And again, that's going to be a recipe for disaster because I'm a living example of that. And that's why nowadays I try to share these things more openly mm -hmm. is because if, if my story can be a little bit helpful, you know, be helpful to just one person out there, then, um, then it was worth it to be a little bit more vulnerable. But this is not my natural state. It's like tomorrow morning, I'll probably wake up like, oh my gosh, what did I just share? <laughs> but, you know, but I had to just, you, I just have to be, you know, who I am and share my, share my truth. And you make good points though. Yeah. Don't, don't rob your partner that they most likely, most of the time they want to be there for you and support you. So it's a good point, Matt. Well, um, well that we're at the end of our question, sugar. We're at now at chatty Maddie. So we're going to do right. this shit, isn't it? Let's All right, so it. same five questions I asked everybody on the show. So, Chatty Maddie, number one, what's your most memorable childhood smell? Gosh, that's such an interesting question. Just uh, uh, definitely food-related. Okay, I, I have one. I have one. Okay, okay. Okay, this just came to my mind. Um, when I was younger, my, my sister had um, some issues with her skin. She had some eczema. And so uh, my, my parents, instead of going to Western medicine, they went to this Chinese herbalist like in Chinatown and they got like, I don't know, like, like moose horn and like unicorn thingy. And I don't uh -huh. know what it was. <laughs> and it was like a blend of herbs. And like they would put it in like this crock pot. My grandma would put it in this crock pot. It was uh -huh. for my sister's skin, and she, they would cook it, in the, and, and it would stink so bad, badly in the house. <laughs> it was like this. I can't even explain the smell. It was like this pungent, herby, and then my sister would, would take it like it was a shot of like Jack Daniels and then chase it with like an orange peel <laughs> because it was so nasty. So uh. they, would boil it, they would boil it into a liquid. So I just remember that, um, you know, just permeating the house and the smell of that and then also like just the smell of kimchi which is i don't know if you've had that before but it's that pickled cabbage the korean dish uh -huh. and uh -huh. then my, my caucasian friends would come over like with the smell of like these all these different types of korean food like kimchi like oh what's that smell it smells out it's so funky in this house and so those are i guess my it wasn't like a was it was the question like a fond childhood memory or just any childhood memory the most memorable most <laughs> okay memorable. Yeah, yeah yeah so those those are probably my most memorable just like the funky korean food smells mm -hmm. and people like what the heck are you was That's, going on in this house i when i relate to that because i have a chinese herbalist guy that i go oh, to oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, a blend yeah. Of herbs. i don't have to boil it in a crock pot though did it help her <laughs> skin though ah uh, who knows man who knows? Who it was knows? like Long super expensive but um, I mean, it's fine now, I think. <laughs> well, all right, <laughs> all right. All right, so Chatty Maddie number two, what is the name of your memoir? Or what would memoir. be the name of your memoir, actually? Okay. Um, uh, the, BJ, the BJ Kang story, and BJ's not what you think it is. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. You know what? I will say, yeah, your nickname is BJ, but... Who doesn't like a BJ, you know? <laughs> so to me, it's like, if there's a positive, it'd be like if your name is like, it'd be like your name was milk chocolate. Like everybody loves milk chocolate, you know, or caramel. Everybody yeah. loves a BJ. I don't know. I just think. Yeah, I guess I mean, that could be the name of Memoir, huh? Yeah, you <laughs> everybody know. Everybody loves I mean, a BJ. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you're, 
Your middle name could be like Fisting. Not everybody loves that. I don't love. I don't want that. Oh, <laughs> oh easy. I don't, I don't know. That no, sounds my, pretty unpleasant. Yeah, I don't. I don't don't want to know. My mother just, if she's listening, went Matthew. Why do you have to say Fisting? That was such a good show with that man. Um, all right. So okay, Chatty Maddie number. Sorry, three. Mama Mar. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Chatty Maddie number. Oh, okay. I totally. I hope my mother doesn't listen to this show because I always am calling her out. And I want to see if this bothers you as much as it bothers me. I love my mother. Mm -hmm. She's 60-something years old. Her and her boyfriend and my father included still call people Oriental. And it drives me fucking (laughs) crazy. Crazy. And I've explained it to them like... And I don't even get mad at them when I explain it because I get it. Like, my mother's not... I mean, we all have like racist or whatever. But my mother... It would be like if you like polled her, you'd be like, oh, this is a pretty liberal, understanding, caring person. That's my mother. So uh-uh. I don't want to put this like she would she will be offended. All my mom needs is a good conversation to Margarita and she doesn't care who you are. You know uh-huh. what I mean? She like loves all people. So that said, like I've tried to tell her in a loving way, like, mom, you know, it's like things are different now. But so I know it's like an old habit. But does it drive you crazy when people say that? And do you get that a lot still? It happens here and there, um, you know, it, it does. And I mean, it's just, I mean, there's a definitely an initial response, just like, it's like a jolt when I hear that because mm-hmm. you know, obviously Oriental is like describing like a rug or like a lamp exactly. or something. And so it's, it, it, just to be honest, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty offensive. Um, I don't, you. I tend not to um, call people out on it because I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I, I know that it sounds like your mom's not doing it out of a spite at all. She seems like, no, a, obviously all, she, she raised you. So you're, you're a, a nice young man. So, um, being able to uh, just realize that, yeah, it is kind of offensive. It's just, it's, there's a twinge in my, like, there's a little response in my body when I hear that. But then I also yeah. understand, like, I'm not going to, like, hold it against that person too much and not judge them for it because maybe that's just, that's just what's taught to them, you know, and through all the years. And they just don't know, you know, they just don't know. I know that's not an excuse. You know, ignorance is, you can't plead ignorance. But no. at the same time, you know, it's, it's a little, it's offensive. Well, I think it's about, it's, um, I do think there's something to the intent of what what are people's intentions when they say things. And I agree. I don't think it should be said at all. But I think because like the word queer now, queer is being used in a positive way. And a lot of older people in the LGBT generation have a lot of problem with it. But now they're especially like in academia and a lot of youth are using the word queer even instead of lesbian and gay. So, But I get that they still get that were that jolt kind of like if i hear the word fag or even if somebody oh, yeah. called me a sissy i know mm-hmm. sissy doesn't seem like a big word but i got called that a lot so it's like a jolt for me when i hear it um anyway so i write to that way sorry gay D, i got distracted but no no it's good I like these, no i like that i like the going off on these tangents and hearing about that and so so would you say let me ask you this then right so yeah. so when you hear the word when someone does say queer that's gonna that's gonna leave it that's gonna give you a jolt as well right because it's not, for not, not, not for me i'm not for me i'm so used it did it first but i'm so used to now talking about it and with the camp i started and all this kind of stuff i'm used to it Okay. Okay. I got it. So I just, so, I just want to know myself too, because I do have gay friends, you know, that, that I love dearly, but, um, you know, that wasn't always the case, you know, back a little bit yeah. back then I was, I was very, um, uh, I'm just going to say it straight up. I was pretty uncomfortable around this oh, yeah. topic of, you know, gay, and that's just through my own fears and not having any friends that, um, that were gay as well. And so, you know, coming, you know, for me, it's like coming out, uh, from being a straight man to say that, Hey, um, 
I don't know if it's like a public apology, but like I was pretty close minded before about that. And, you know, in my yeah. younger days and it's not one of my proudest moments at all. But now there's an understanding and I love these conversations because I can get a, get a better sense of like, hey, what, um, you know, how do, you know, what, what are ways that we can communicate and, and not make it too big of a deal because at the end of the day, yeah. we're all humans, right? But at the yeah, same exactly. time, hey, it's all, it's all love, you know, it's all about love and connection. So I love, I love these but little tangents we're going off of. It is for you. And that's what I love that it's about that. Mm-hmm. I love it, love it, love it. Yes. Um, all right. Chatty Maddie number three, what's the best piece of advice you wished you had taken earlier? Best piece of advice I wish to take earlier. Um, uh, that's a tough one, you know. I think I, I kind of grew up with just kind of on my own a little bit, and not not in the sense that I didn't have friends or family to support me, but um, I was very stubborn growing up. Mm. Um, so I would I wouldn't really take advice, and uh, there's probably a reason for that. We can talk about that for another hour, but man, the best advice that I wish I well, I think yeah, you know, I so then for you, I have a question, and I'm. Mm-hmm. One million percent stealing this from my best friend, um, Don McCoy, who's the host of Don and Dish with Don podcast. But also she's a social media person and she did a great thing called Dear 15 Me, which is kind of the way and she. And so Don asked, what piece of advice would you give to your 15 year old self? So that kid that didn't mm-hmm. want to take advice, mm-hmm. like what advice would you give to him, Brian? I would actually tell the 15-year-old Brian that um, go against the norm. Be mm. different. Be a lot different. Because I was, when I look back at my 15-year-old self, I was like a cattle in a herd. I would just follow the crowd. Again, I, I, I did it. I, I was pretty outgoing in high school and all that. But at the same time, I was very, um, uh, I, it's, I just didn't take risks. I did not take any risks. I didn't try new things too much. Um, I was so, I had the blinders on so much. So I would tell that that 15-year-old Brian that, hey, hey, man, just take some risks. Learn business. That's what I would learn. Learn how to make money for yourself. Don't rely on any, any company or government to take care of you. That's actually stolen from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is one of my, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's book is like learn how to sustain yourself financially and solve problems for people and, and then get paid for it. So those mm. two things. Mm. Well, thank you, Don, because I love that answer. That was great. Yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah, great question. All right, chatting, chatting man in number four, what day would be your Groundhog Day or what day was so awesome you could live it over and over? Uh, so back in high school, um, first thing that pops into my mind is I think I was, I don't know, maybe I was 16 years old or 15 or 16 or 17 around there can't remember exactly but i woke up this one morning and uh, i had my alarm clock um to the radio and at the time it was a backstreet boy song it was all i have to give i don't know if you listen <laughs> it was my like, love is yeah. all I, have <laughs> I have to give without you i don't think that one right yeah and so then I, I heard that in the morning and it was one of those mornings where you wake up and like you automatically know it's going to be an amazing day you just like feel lighter. You feel like you're in the zone. I was like walking down the hallways, like pointing at people, you know, with like with my theme music in the background. I was, I was totally just in connection with myself. I was confident. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember the feeling I had because I'm a very feelings oriented person, and it was just like totally in the zone. I was, I was extremely happy at the time, and nothing was was gonna phase me that day. So I would want to live if i can choose a groundhog's day by the way that's an amazing movie um that would be my day where i can just um be able to be in that state again 
I love that because a lot of people talk about um, a lot of people talk about the things they did on this day, which is awesome and wonderful. But I love you're the first person to answer the question with do you remember the feeling. Uh, I love that you're so, and I think you're such a great thing for someone that you've learned. You're, like, you're so emotionally connected, dude. You're like a Renaissance mm. man. I love it. You're, are you <laughs> going to be a? It's okay if you don't want to do. So this isn't a pressuring question. I'm just interested. Do you want to have children at all or no? I don't know. I'm I'm like sixty forty yes. Well, you'd I'm be a good years. fucking dad. That's all I gotta say. Oh, I appreciate that. Um. There's a lot of fear when it comes to, you know, I don't want to mess my child up. (laughs) No matter what, they're going to grow up with resentments. There's just no way around that. Um, I'm I'm not going to be perfect. And maybe that's the thing, right? If I do ever become a father that tell my kid early on that, hey, I'm going to make tons of mistakes and own up to those mistakes and be vocal about that. But I think that, you know, parenting out there, I think the most effective parents, I'm not a parent, I wouldn't know, but from the outsider, I can see that um, I think if if you do the work on yourself, you will have, uh, that's the best, um, way to have children i think that are emotionally connected and 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 are emotionally stable in my opinion that's my 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 two cent opinion i love it well chatty man in number five when are you most inspired when am i most inspired um i'm most inspired when i do something that was scary that i didn't think i was able to do it Mm -hmm. and I, i do it anyway Mm. So an example of that is this past Saturday we're at a uh, we're at a, I was at a church conference and um, it was a great conference it was called Multicity in Fremont California it was about a hundred people in the United Methodist Church and um, they were um, talking all about inclusion and, and being a multicultural church a church of the people and I was one of the speakers that that was a, or a workshop um, hosts that did a, a workshop on overcoming your fears to expand your reach so I was freaked out. I didn't think I could do it. Um, I didn't think my material was good enough, but I did it. I got through it. It wasn't perfect, but it was a good response. And it's just those feelings afterwards where you actually do something about it. I think we can think in all day long about doing something and dreaming, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get, I'm not going to become inspired unless I really take that forward momentum and do something that's very, very scary that, um, that's going to be a risky thing. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that is. That is what it's all. What well, what a great, great, great note. What a great just note to film to film to to end on. Lord, I can't speak. You got me all emotionally emotionally wound <laughs> up, Brian. Um, uh, well, thank you so much. I I love this. This was great. Mm-hmm. Now tell it. Remind everybody again. They can they can email you if they're interested in coaching or anything like that at Brian dot Kang K A N G and Brian with the I at five zero one at Gmail. Right. Five one zero. So five one. Brian dot Kang five one zero at Gmail dot com. You can go to Facebook dot com slash the Asian American Voice if you want to like the page there. Send me a note there or send me an email. You can go to the Asian American Voice dot com. Check out the the website um and then uh, yeah that's the, those are the ways that you can connect with me that's all. and that is why before i post the show i will tell you to email me with all the show notes because my fucking dyslexia i will switch every number around so do you know <laughs> so, do you really have dyslexia i you know i'm undiagnosed but mm-hmm. when i started getting my master's in therapy and then you had to get a you had to go see a therapist you know when you're getting your master's and so i went to there who just happened to be a specialist in that and talking and it's not severe but i'm almost positive just from what i've read 
I've kind of self-diagnosed, but using, I know I have a font that I use on my computer a lot. That's a dyslexia font, and that helps a lot. For me, it's a lot, a, a lot of time numbers. I really struggled with, with arithmetic mm-hmm. and math. Mm-hmm. algebra all of that really 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 struggled and looking back a lot of times the reason i would get a wrong answer is because i would like i just did with your email i would just switch a pair of numbers mm-hmm. or um simple things like, or like it would be a six and i would write a nine so i do think that there is a there is a kind of there's something that's not um that's having trouble connecting in that respect for me mm-hmm. okay got it man thanks for sharing that so yeah, it's uh and yeah, so I should probably get diagnosed and do fucking something about it. Still set. <laughs> I basically like WebMD my dyslexia, which is awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, well, Brian, Brian Kang, everybody, yay! Thank you yeah, so man. so much for doing this. You're just like, I mean, you're all fucking heart, dude, and I love that. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. this. Was fun, man. I really do. Well, this is great. We might have to do another one, and if I'm ever in San Fran, but for the so. If you like Brian, you're inspired by Brian, go to the Asian American Voice, listen to his show, subscribe to his show. One of the best things you can do for him, if you like his show, is to go on iTunes. I know it's a hassle because you can't do it from your phone, but still, go on your iTunes, leave a review of his show. That's huge. That helps other people find his show and puts us up in the Apple algorithm. And do that the same for the Dear Maddie show. So, um Brian, thank you so, so much. And uh, for the rest of you, uh, you know the drill. We will we'll see you next week. Do something nice for someone this week. All right. Bye. Well, Sugars, I hope you enjoyed it. Is it, is it Brian? He's just sweet. He's sweet, sweet, sweet. So now what he's doing now, things, because when I, I emailed him and I said, hey, Sugar, look, I'm sorry. This is just not going up. I'm sure things have changed. And he's like, boy, have they. So he ended season one of the Asian American podcast. I know podcasts are apparently doing seasons now. I should do that. So then maybe I can take a break, but I'm not. I'm just going to keep on going, Sugars. So, but I don't know if there's going to be a season two of that. But he also started another podcast for all my therapist friends called The Business of Psychotherapy, which is great. Talked to him a little bit about it. I looked online and basically we learned so much training about how to be a counselor. Uh, it's like with acting. We learn the art of it, but then we don't ever learn the business of a, just how to set up a fucking office, you know, how to get people to come. Anyway, you can find all things Brian at brianjkong.com, and that's spelled B-R-I-A-N-J-K-A-N-G.com, brianjkong.com. Well, speaking of one, sugar, one podcast, Sugars... <laughs> I'm doing another one. I don't know if y'all have seen or if you've heard, but Jake Anthony and I, a.k.a. Poodle, we've been doing our little recap videos, and we finally got the podcast launched, so TV Tea Time. So totally different than this show. It's a lot more a lot more comedy and bitchiness of Jake and I. Currently, we're, we are recapping uh, several shows. We started doing Finding Prince Charming on Logo, which is off the air right now, and then waiting for season two. And then we are currently recapping the CW show Riverdale, and we're recapping the new show Feud on FX. It's amazing. So you can find out all that information. Go to DearMaddieShow.com. If you've listened to the new podcast, please, 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 to TVT Time, leave a review on iTunes. That is huge for us. Just look up TVT Time on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, or go to TVTTime.com. All right, that's what I'm up to, sugars. I love you guys, and uh, see you later. Bye.